Crystal, your resident wino. <laughs> Man, I am so glad to be back. Guys, I am sorry that I've been out um, the last couple of weeks. It's just been a mess. I'm sure Crystal told you um, about a little bit of it, but, you know, it just started with, we're selling our house. Then it went to, okay, we have to get these cleaners in here to um, clean the house because we're wanting to give the new owners a nice clean house because they're about to have a baby. And the cleaners were there three times and they weren't getting the job done, blah, blah, blah. You know, so the third time it's on a Monday, Adam's like, okay, I'll go open the door for the cleaners. You open the door, there's someone in the house. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, there was tools and backpacks and all that stuff. And Adam scared the person away. But we noticed they did a little bit of damage to the house. So we had to fix that because that was the day we were going to turn the keys to the new owners. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm like, are you like... This is crazy. But honestly, like if the cleaners hadn't done such a shitty job cleaning, they wouldn't have been there on monday like adam wouldn't have been there to open the door for the cleaners so thank you cleaners for your shitty job (laughs) yeah because i guess you know serendipity right there you know and then that was monday and then the next day i find out that my dad passed away um my brother found him in his house because they nobody had heard from him in in a week and a half or so and so he was my dad's remains were in his house for, um, you know, at least a week and a half before my brother um, mm. found him. So there was, I guess, a lot of um, decay and a smell and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then I had to deal with all the stuff that you have to deal with. And since it was an, an unintended death, I had to figure out like insurance and see if he had homeowner's insurance, try to find anything I can, a will, a life insurance, whatever. And it was insane. But we did find homeowner's insurance and they paid for the house to be completely decontaminated and cleaned 100% out. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, they had to cut out some of the subfloor and the wall, though. So I'm now waiting to hear back from the insurance when they're going to um, repair that. But yeah, in the midst of, you know, moving, it was just crazy. So you've just been a little distracted. (laughs) Just a little. And then and then, of course, like, you know, all this is happening on my last week of my um, my semester. So, like, you know, I have to turn in like a nine page paper and have to like find time to write that. And we're doing and you're teaching full time. Yeah, I'm teaching. So and then we're living out really far, far away from work. And it, it was just because we're staying with a friend until our house is done being built. So it was just um, 
It's a lot. So thank you guys for being patient with me. Thank you, Crystal, for being patient with me. Oh, you know, I love you. Yeah, I love you too. (laughs) But um, today we're bringing it back hot with time travel. Now, Crystal, do you believe in time travel? Uh, I believe it's possible or it will be possible. I don't know. <laughs> I think yeah. it's kind of like how I believe in God. I believe it's definite possibility. But mm-hmm. can I say for sure if I'm 100% on board? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like my belief in aliens, for example, or I mean like life on other planets. Definitely. You know? I mean, that's just... Yeah. You're you're kind of ignorant to think there's not. Yeah. I mean, they might not be little green men, but there's definitely life forces out there of some kind. Yeah, some organism. Because, exactly. Because we're, you know, if the universe is infinite, then like there's no freaking way we're the only life that has appeared in this universe. But right? yeah. There's probably another Earth in another universe Ooh. with people just like us. I always wonder, like, what they would look like on a different planet, you know? Like, Hmm. they could look like us. They could look different from us. They could look like little green men. Who knows? We'll never know. (laughs) We'll just speculate. But today's episode isn't about aliens. (laughs) It's about time (laughs) travel. Um, But, Crystal, I would love to hear what stories you have found as people claim as evidence for time travel. Okay, well, first, I've got to say, mm-hmm. I'm very excited because I don't know how many podcasts you listen to or if you even listen to podcasts. Not Me? not the listeners, because obviously oh. they're listening to one right now, <laughs> but you. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually, when I listen to podcasts, I almost never actually download the podcast. I just don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so our technology that we have through our podcast, it tells us how many downloads we have. It doesn't tell us how many listeners we have. So I know there's more listeners out there, but I'm so happy to say <laughs> that we have broke over 300 downloads, <laughs> which is huge to us. Oh. Huge. And, yeah. and I've had like family and close friends um like or or i don't know maybe they just told me they liked it (laughs) but our facebook page for our podcast and we have our very first listener that i don't know that liked our page (laughs) so holly holly litchfield i hope i said that right holly litchfield if you're out there and you're listening you're awesome we love you and you made my day. You made my week. Oh my God. You made my year. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's like somebody. Ah, uh, Yeah. It's like validating, you know. Um, yes. Somebody likes to hear what we have to say. <sighs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just had to get that out there. I think um, that's good. Yes. But I'll begin my section of this episode with Project Pegasus and Andrew Bastiago. So Andrew Basiago is a Seattle attorney, 
that has for almost two decades claimed that he was a participant in a secret U.S. government program from the time he was seven until he was 12. Seven? Yeah. Just a baby. So this government program supposedly worked on teleportation and time travel under a secret DARPA experiment. Now, DARPA stands for Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. That's a mouthful. So we're going to stick with DARPA. (laughs) Basiago says that the experiment in which he participated was called Project Pegasus. This experiment is said to be a precursor to the Montauk Project and the Philadelphia Experiment, both of which you will hear about. Yeah. So this program, beginning in the 1970s, used children as they were said to adapt well to, quote, the strains of moving between past, present, and future, end quote. What they mean by that, I'm not sure. Uh, What would make children more adaptable to moving between timelines? Uh, Because they're tiny? maybe maybe they're just like more open to um you know certain things like they say that children are more sensitive to even um like supernatural abilities that sort of thing maybe so so yeah there is a video of basiago explaining what his experiences were like during the program and i will post it on our facebook page witchin and winen And in the video, Basiago says he traveled with his father. I'm pretty sure I remember that correctly. It makes me wonder why they used children when a grown man was capable of making the voyage. Like, honestly. (laughs) So Basiago claims to, as a child, have traveled to Ford's Theater on the night of President Abraham Lincoln's assassination five or six times. What? (laughs) traumatizing for a little kid right there is a famous photo of a boy from gettysburg in 1863 that shows a young boy standing alone and wearing shoes that are much too large for him a man's shoes have you seen this picture um i maybe i I mean maybe i I was looking at a lot (laughs) i'm gonna post a a lot of pictures and a couple of videos. <clears throat> but Basiago claims to be that child in the photo. Oh, and okay. Yeah, he says it was taken at the time that he was visiting that time period. So, okay, cool shoes, bro, but what does time travel have to do with you wearing gigantic shoes? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I know he's claiming to be this child, but maybe I missed the explanation of it in the video, but why would he be sent on a time adventure wearing shoes much too big for him yeah that's a good point maybe they were like part of the time travel apparatus like (laughs) you know it's something you have to wear you have to be wearing bozo the clown shoes to travel (laughs) (laughs) they could have the technology in it of something you never know oh you're not wearing the right shoes (laughs) (laughs) keeps them grounded Oh, Basiago claims that during his travels, he came across eight different time travel technologies and a teleporter. In the video, 
They explain how this teleporter was based on technical papers supposedly found in pioneering medical engineer Nikola Tesla's New York City apartment after his death in January of 43. So does that mean that Nikola Tesla was teleporting as well? Um, I would say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Basiago stated the teleporter, quote, consisted of two gray elliptical booms about eight feet tall, separated by about 10 feet, between which a shimmering curtain of what Tesla called radiant energy was broadcast. Radiant energy is a form of energy that Tesla discovered that is latent and pervasive in the universe and has among its properties the capacity to bend time-space. End quote. Basiago stated that his visits to the past were different, quote, like they were sending us to slightly different alternative realities on adjacent timelines. As these visits begin to, uh, began to accumulate... I twice ran into myself during two different visits. In an article on cultofweird.com entitled Time Travel and Project Pegasus, Andrew Basiago claims DARPA sent him back in time to Gettysburg. It's a very long title. (laughs) Charlie Hintz wrote, Being sent back in time to the same place and moment, but from different starting points in the present, allowed two of himself to be in Ford's theater at the same time in 1865. That's Okay, I can see how that work how that would work. Yeah. I mm-hmm. had to uh read that a couple times before I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so Basiago stated, after the first of these two encounters with myself occurred, I was concerned that my cover might be blown. Unlike the jump to Gettysburg, in which I was clutching a letter to Navy Secretary Gideon Wells to offer me aid and assistance in the event I was arrested, I didn't have any explanatory materials when I was sent to Ford's Theater. It just seems like this would be something that you would need to train for years. Yeah, I mean, and this is, he's still claiming that he's a child, right? Like seven, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Or or maybe it's like, oh, you know, it's a seven-year-old. It's more inconspicuous. And, you know, if a kid is being, like, you know, silly or, like, seems to be, quote-unquote, off than your typical adult, then there's a lot of excuses. Like, oh, he's just a kid. That's just a kid. You know? No big deal. Kids are weird. (laughs) They sure are. <laughs> so it kind of makes me think of this um, this Stephen King book that I just started reading. It's called 112263, and it's about time travel. <laughs> of course, I just started a time travel book. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty neat because he goes into, he goes through the portal or whatever you want to call it into this time. Mm-hmm. And every time he goes through the portal, portal, he starts at a very specific time, like right on the nose. It's always the exact same time, exact same year, exact same place every time he goes. Hmm. But when And he can be there for years if he wants to. But when he comes back, it's only been two minutes in his 
in his world in his time. That's you interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe he this dude was there for years and he got experience and then he came back and it's only been two minutes. But of oh, course in yeah. the yeah. yeah, so I don't know. But of course in the book you come back and you've aged because you've been gone that whole time. So I don't know. So you've only been gone for two minutes, but your body is like aged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've actually lived through that amount of time, I guess how I would word it. Interesting. I always thought of like the idea of time travel, like, you know, oh, what kind of time travel would I like to do? And I don't know mm -hmm. if I'd want to do like a body time travel, but like a mind tra time travel. So that way mm -hmm. there wouldn't be multiple of me. So it's just like my mind would travel back in time to a different, you know, like a younger version of myself, but can contain or maintain oh. all of the knowledge I have experienced, you know? Oh, so kind I'm of like um an out of body experience but out of your body into another of your body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's within my same body. It's just like I'm literally yes. just rewinding cool. within my... Um... Oh, like um, what, like the hot tub time machine movie thing. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that in so long. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They like go back to the, their younger selves, but they still have all their knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Went on a tangent, but which is so easy to do with time travel. Mm -hmm. So Andrew Basiago might sound nutty to some people, but Alfred Weber substantiates Basiago's claims. Weber is a lawyer specializing in exopolitics, which is the political implications surrounding an extraterrestrial presence on Earth. Okay. Okay, when I read that, I was like, what? There are lawyers for, <laughs> for that? <laughs> Uh, Weber says that teleportation and time travel have been around for 40 years. Um, I can't remember when this article is written, but he says it's been around 40 or so years, but are hoarded by the Defense Department instead of being used to transfer goods and services. The government's the last, the last people I'd want to have this technology. <laughs> um, Stephen King, in his, in this book, he even makes a comment about, like, I can't remember the exact words. The character says something like, people gave, people that gave us the technology to, like, fly drones and and bomb people using drones and stuff like that. Like, that's the last people you'd want to have this kind of technology, people that made yeah. the atomic bomb, you know. But um, mm -hmm. I can also see how it would be very bad if just everyone in the world had... The ability to do this like it would there would constantly be changes and yeah it, i don't think it would be stable you know mm -mm. it'd be maybe that's how black holes come to be <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was some earth people out there that messed with time and then just caved it <clears throat> it just caved in on itself mm -hmm. <laughs> would you ever change anything if you had time travel um i uh, i don't think i really would want to um i don't want anything in my current life to change but mm -hmm. it would be hard not to like just want to fuck with it <laughs> and play <laughs> you know like play around with it especially if it's kind of like groundhog day where or like mm -hmm. in stephen king's book where you go back and it's always the same 
always the same people in the exact same time. So no matter what you did, it didn't affect that time. You know what I mean? Like you could yeah. be crazy and do some crazy stuff and nothing would affect it. But okay. That's yeah, I think I'd have how to it would go. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. I don't know if I would change anything like because I feel so, you know, blessed with my life, even with, you know, certain issues or trauma or mm -hmm. whatever, you know. Um, so, and plus I would never want to risk not having all the blessings that I have now. Right. You know? And there's gonna, there's bad in, in everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's going to be bad moments no matter what it changes to. So, but. but anyway, another tangent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So this article that was written by Hints continues with the following. There are a lot of quotes in here. So Andrew Bastiago ran for president in 2016. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I read about that. I remember this. Quote, I have prior knowledge that not only will I run for president, but that during one of the elections, which would have to be between 2016 and 2028, because I'm not running past that, I'm either elected president or vice president. And he had a statement on his campaign website that said, quote, For 70 years, the U.S. government has been concealing advanced technology because they might be socially, economically, or technically disruptive in nature. These technologies included the teleportation technology developed by DARPA's project Pegasus. They may also include cancer cures. The government should begin a program to declassify and deploy this knowledge. The standard of technical disclosure should be what provides the people the best available technology. This will enable the United States to reclaim its mantle as a world's catalyst of applied science and it it goes on and on and he says as for hillary clinton i have no data i think it is reasonable to infer that were she a future president there would have been a pre-id of her as for trump i have a vague memory that my father took special note of trump during an appearance by him on the phil donahue show and might have even commented that he was a future u.s president okay well hey <laughs> so Miranda, do hmm. you think there would be any chance in hell you'd vote for Basiago in the future? I would say no. No. Um, <laughs> if you if he ran against Trump? <laughs> um okay now. Okay now. Then we'd yep. just be like Yep. Basiago. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> Ooh, Basiago. Um, <laughs> well, we have until 2028 to find out if Basiago was right. So That's true. What's going to happen when he's wrong, though? If I, I don't know. But I mean, if he's right, shit's going to go be crazy, y'all. I know. <laughs> Before I mentioned that the Project Pegasus was a precursor to two other projects, they were the Montauk Project and the Philadelphia Experiment, I'm going to touch on the Montauk Project a bit. And Wiki gives the definition of Montauk Project. The Montauk Project is a conspiracy theory that alleges there were a series of United States government projects conducted at Camp 
Hero or Montauk Air Force Base or Air Force Station in Montauk, New York, for the purpose of developing psychological warfare techniques and exotic research, including time travel. The information I'm about to share with you can be found in the link that I will provide in the description of this podcast. And it comes from Dana Kennedy in her New York Post article entitled, Inside the Real Life Lab and Secret Experiments that Inspired Stranger Things. Yes. Yes. The Montauk Project inspired the TV show Stranger Things. Yes. I, yes. I remember this too. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. Let's hear it. Oh, let me get cozy. Let me get. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hold on. Let me, get, let me take a sip of my wine. I had to adjust. You know, I am sitting in a car. Oh, I just honked the horn on accident. <laughs> did you hear I, it? I did. <laughs> oh my goodness. Honk for Montauk. <laughs> scary people driving down the highway and honking now. Uh, okay. Uh, Adam just Adam just texts me. You okay? <laughs> Camp Hero was a section of an old military base. That military base was Montauk Air Force Station, located on the eastern tip of Long Island. The Camp Hero section of this base was closed down in 1957, and the entire Montauk base was closed in 1981. Sometime around 1992, rumors about Camp Hero started to stir. Camp Hero was said to be the site of secret government experiments involving mind control, time travel, wormholes, and teleportation. A local to the area, Paul Fagan, spent 14 years exploring Camp Hero and researching government documents at the National Archives in Manhattan. Fagan said a nuclear reactor might secretly be buried at the site and that the rumors about wild experiments might have been created to deflect from the possibility of the reactor. Another local of Montauk, Lafreno, grew up there and now works as a park employee at Camp Hero. He believes to be one of the children that were experimented on. And he states, quote, I didn't believe it until two years ago. I was hypnotized by a certified hypnotist for about 40 minutes, and all these memories flooded back. They did a very bad thing to us out there. We were just little kids. They had no right to experiment on us. It was a very dark, very yeah. evil thing, end quote. Lafreno believes in the summer of 1980 or 1981, when he was about 12 or 13, um, he remembers a little boy inviting him to go ride bikes to the base. And he said that the first time they went there, there were two men in civilian clothes and they grabbed the boys and pulled them into a house. He said a sunken house. I don't, I don't know what a sunken house no, is. That means. Um, Lafreno and other boys were taken underground through battery 113. So he says um, a sealed gunnery left over from world war one. He said he was placed on a table and attached to wires and, quote, they analyzed us like animals, end quote. There may have been, according to him, up to 50 other children there with him, and Lafreno believes that some of them might have later been killed. I have so many questions about this, but my biggest question involves his session of hypnosis. There's a book out there called The Montauk Project experiments in time 
by Preston Nichols. It was about Nazi-style experiments done on local boys that had been kidnapped. Could Lafreno possibly have read this and then while under hypnosis could have combined what he read with his actual memories and jumbled them together? I mean, that does happen. Mm-hmm. Possible. And apparently Lafreno, as an adult, went with another park employee and found the house that he and the other boy had been ushered into. So he recognized, recognized this house, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder if Preston Nichols' Montauk book might have included a description of this house. If it did, maybe Lafreno could have gotten the description from there and created a false memory. Mm-hmm. So the author of the article, I, sorry, I noticed whenever I re- listened back to this, <laughs> I noticed because I'm trying so hard to enunciate my words so the accent doesn't come out real thick. I kind of end up slurring like you know it's hard to when you're not using your accent (laughs) it's hard to form words Mm -hmm. um so the author of the article Dana Kennedy wrote quote it would be easy to write him off as a kook but he is gainfully employed at the park has a steady girlfriend and appears and appears to have a solid relationship with his kids locals call him a friend End quote. I like it when people play devil's advocate, like when you do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I like things that make me question all sides of a situation. Mm-hmm. So I see what they are getting at about Lafreno being a level-headed person. However, mm-hmm. level-headed people are not immune to false memories and implanted thoughts while under hypnosis. I mean, honestly, yeah, because, I mean, we've all seen those, I don't, you know, those shows. I'm like, is this real or is this fake? You know, of um, hypnotists, like mm-hmm. hypnotizing a whole audience of people, making them think that they're a dog and making them think mm-hmm. that they're attracted to the hypn, you know, like all that ridiculous thing. So, I mean, I mean, I never really believe that those are real, but, you know, <laughs> it's like, I think there are very few hypnotists that I would actually trust. And I've yet to meet any of them, <laughs> but I've yet, I've yet to meet a hypnotist, so, so that's not saying much, but <laughs> Christopher Garitano, a local who grew up near Montauk, made the 2014 documentary Montauk Chronicles that detailed the allegations of three men, Nichols, Al Bilek, and Stuart Swerdlow, who say they were brainwashed and forced against their will to take part in experiments at Camp Hero between 1971 and 1983. In the 1970s and 80s, Nichols led the Psychotronic Movement. He claimed government agents used electromagnetic waves to plant thoughts in people's heads. Nichols claimed he was part of the so-called Montauk Project. Garitano, the one who made the documentary, he employed a geophysicist to analyze the ground beneath the old base. And he said they found evidence of large structures not seen on any official maps. Okay. But to me, that just makes sense because why would a government... A government facility want to map out every single thing and leave it on record. Yeah. I I don't think that would be smart. But anyways, Garitano said, quote, 
Forget all the alien and MK Ultra crap. I think there was some type of experimentation out there using kids or teenagers, maybe runaways from New York, end quote. I think this is this part's interesting. Above Camp Hero are super powered Cold War era Sage, like capital S A G E, radar towers. Mm-hmm. And they're constructed, they were constructed in the event of a Soviet nuclear attack. So they were created with the intention of giving the U.S. a 30-minute warning. What the hell are you going to do in 30 minutes to avoid a nuclear attack? I mean, I don't know if it's just to avoid a nuclear attack. Maybe it's just like a say goodbye to your loved ones. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe uh, maybe people do have bomb shelters still that would survive a nuclear attack. I don't know. Where would you go? Or, okay, you know how they're saying that... Um, if there is a um a nuclear attack, they're like, don't go outside, you know, because like whatever radiation or what have you, that would be um in the air after a bomb. Well, that's silly. So bad. Your windows you know? aren't airtight. Well, I mean, yeah, they're not airtight, but I guess it's better than like going straight out, you know. So maybe they're like find shelter, sort of. I mean, who yeah. knows if anything would even be helpful at that point? Right. But just give you hope. hope. Yeah. <laughs> False hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. I remember. Here's a tangent. <clears throat> so I remember, I think I was in grad school or maybe undergrad. Anyways, I was in college. I drove from Fayetteville, go Hogs, to Louisiana to visit James while he was stationed there. It's such a long drive, y'all. It's a long drive. I got there. I drove all night long. I was so tired. So when he got up and went to drill in the morning, I was asleep and explosions went off. The building shook (laughs) really bad. And this was um, (laughs) this is when the war was getting cooking. You know, this was this was uh, a Mm -hmm. prime moment to get bombed and it was booming and I popped up and I was like shit we're getting bombed and I said uh fuck it and I laid back down and went to sleep in like a split second my mind went through the motions of I could run but where the hell am I gonna run and mm-hmm. I'm really tired so if I'm gonna survive this I need my rest <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's logical. Well, but as you probably know, I looked out um, when he got home and I was like, shit, I thought we were bombed, but I guess not because I'm awake and we're good. He laughed at me and he was like, look out of the window. And I looked out of the window and there are these giant cannons right outside the window that apparently they shoot off every morning at like 5 or 6 a.m. Yeah, it's like artillery, right? Like, (laughs) they're just... Yeah, you know what? When Adam was in the military, I used to imagine those as the freak of... I know this sounds ridiculous, and I know it was not logical, but I used to imagine them as fucking giants. Like, (laughs) in the background, like, we are getting invaded by giants. I did not think, you know, automatically, oh my god, it's a bomb. I would think, holy shit, giants are real, or aliens, (laughs) or like, there's something going on. Even though I live close to a military base, that was not the first thing in my brain. I love where your mind went with that. <laughs> I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay, tangent. <clears throat> Sorry, y'all. If you're going to listen to us, that's just what we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Above Camp Hero, there are these 
giant radar towers, <clears throat> supposedly to warn people of an incoming nuclear attack to say bye-bye to everybody. The antenna emitted up to 425 megahertz. This level is said to be the frequency needed to enter human consciousness. Hmm. Locals of the area said that the towers interfered with their television sets and other electronics, and some said that it caused headaches. Now, one resident stated, quote, I don't want to add fuel to the fire because I don't believe all the zombie stuff, but the impact that tower had on the town was real. I don't know if it affected our thoughts, like some people say, but it was a force. End quote. Now, only one tower is still standing in that area. It is a 90-foot tower with a 40-foot wide dish. And I think I have a picture of that, too, to add. When the base shut down in 81, according to Nichols' books, bizarre things started happening. Peter Bavay, a former Ma Manhattan advertising executive and author of the novel Montauk Time, said... Quote, I believe it's entirely possible that the human experiment stories are true. Scientifically, physiologically, it's all conceivably real. I believe there were army experiments out there that involved interdimensional travel, and the fallout from that still exists, like a tear in the space-time continuum. Having said that, there's no hard evidence that I've seen to prove it, end quote. And Paul Fagan, the man that I told you had spent 14 years exploring Camp Hero, he said, quote, so many people, including me, who spent any time looking into Camp Hero ended up completely different people afterwards. It's a strange coincidence, but I've seen it happen to multiple people. I've got so squirrely, I had to leave town for a while. All I can say is the imagination is one hell of a machine that can affect you to the point where you no longer know what's true and what isn't. Honestly. And that would be the Montauk Project. So you, I believe you're going to talk about the Philadelphia one when I'm done, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll start with that one. Okay. So I just have some accounts to tell you about and then I'll be done. Okay. So now I want to share with you some accounts of time travel. You can read about these and more in, in Rishab Banerjee's article, Seven Real Accounts of Time Travel That'll Leave You Questioning Everything on, on IndiaTimes.com. The first story was titled, When Air Marshal Sir Victor Goddard Accidentally Entered a Parallel Universe. That's a lengthy title, too. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many. J.H. Brennan, in his book Time Travel, A New Perspective, discusses an accidental time travel story. I actually saw some people talking about accidental time travel, and I was like, what's that? This is a good example of that. The writer claims that Sir Victor Goddard accidentally flew to a parallel world. In 1935, while still serving as a wing commander, Sir Goddard received an order to inspect a disused airbase in Drim near Edinburgh, Scotland. When Sir Goddard flew over the base, he found it in disarray. Cattle were grazing along the wild grass, which had pushed its way into the tarmac. Later, Goddard was flying his biplane into some bad weather. To avoid an accident, he decided to return to the base until the weather improved. Oddly, the massive downpour of rain suddenly stopped as he neared the airbase. 
Something was different about the airbase. Now, the airbase looked in perfect condition and was being used. Mechanics in blue overalls were working on yellow planes that had been parked. These planes were not the same ones used by the Air Force back in Goddard's day. The planes should have been silver. Goddard was baffled. Little did he know he'd see the scene again someday. Four years after this strange occurrence, Goddard visited Drim in a war-torn Europe. He saw the same things he had seen in 1935. The same people in blue overalls were servicing yellow aircraft. The plane that he had never seen before, a Miles Magnister, was there. It seems when Goddard flew into that storm, he somehow flew into the future, if only for a moment. How trippy would that be? I'm just thinking about like, you know, because there are a ton of like people accidentally, like stories that they accidentally did, or like they accidentally slipped into their body from a parallel universe, or they mm -hmm. accidentally did this. And it's just like, but like, oh, having an experience like that simultaneously scary. And it's just like, you know, what? I don't anymore about whatever the heck that brought me here in the first place. Like, it is so awesome and exciting and invigorating mm -hmm. and terrifying. <laughs> My gosh, I can't even imagine. The second story is Elsie's Drive. LC, like the letters LC. Elsie's mm -hmm. Drive Back in the Past. So... In 1988, Strange Magazine 2 featured an article by Ken Mo entitled Time Traveler. This article told the story of an individual who went by the pseudonym L.C. In 1969, L.C. and his business partner, who we'll call Bob, were traveling along Highway 167 to the oil center city of Lafayette in Louisiana. It was the 20th of October, around 1.30 in the afternoon. It was a nice day out with nothing but blue skies. They spotted a turtleback car going very slowly up ahead. The vehicle was something neither of them had ever seen before. It was a very unique car. Though the car was an antique, the vehicle was still in excellent condition. They drove along the side of the old pristine car. It was a large, bright orange car, and its license plate clearly read 1940. When I read that, I very first thought, well, yeah, antique cars sometimes have their license plate give the year. Mm -hmm. This article was saying that it was strange because it wasn't legal for antique cars to be used on roads unless they were being driven in a parade according to this story. The bizarreness continued. The young woman driving the car was dressed in a vintage dress from the 1940s, complete with a fur coat and a hat. A small child was also in the car, wearing a coat with a cap and heavy clothing. The lady began to panic as they drew up beside the car. Her face was pale. As if in an unknown place, she looked back and forth frantically. Yeah, she's probably thinking, where am mm -hmm. I and what is this machine pulling up next to us? I know, especially like when you have a kid too. Like mm -hmm. everything is even more intense because you're like, oh my, oh my gosh, gosh, I need to protect my baby. A million times more intense. Mm -hmm. She was about to start crying. Elsie asked her whether she was in need of any assistance and she replied that she was. 
I assume that they were able to do this because they were moving so slowly side by side. Mm -hmm. Um, But they asked her to stop the car several times before she finally pulled over. Elsie and Bob pulled up and parked in front of the old car. When they stopped and looked back to see the old car, it was gone. It had disappeared. And Elsie and Bob, unable to explain what they had seen and heard, they decided to continue driving. So they're back on Highway 167 when a short time later, they noticed a new car passing a slow-moving old vehicle. So they're like watching what happened to them. The cars were moving so slowly, the same thing occurred. As the second car stopped in front, the car behind them, the old car, vanished. And I was thinking, I'm wondering if it's the same car and it's stuck in some time loop or something. Oh, yeah. Which, how fucking terrifying would that be to have your child in the car and you're stuck in this time loop doing the same thing? And then at that, is it, okay, for in a time loop, is it time travel or is it like more ghostly in nature? Right? Is it some weird transportation gateway or something that you drove through and Mm -hmm. you're continuously going through it? So the next story is a story about it was called The News Broke 11 Years Before It Actually Happened. So the story was part of the Little Giant Book of Eerie Thrills and Unspeakable Chills by Ron Edwards C.B. Colby John Macklin. So the authors claim that in 1932, newspaper reporter J. Bernard Hutton and photographer Joachim Brandt were assigned to cover a story about the Hamburg shipyard in Germany. Just as they were leaving the building, the authors reported that they heard aircraft engines. They looked up and they saw a sky filled with fighter jets and anti-aircraft batteries opened fire and then bombs began to go off. The area became a battle zone. There was chaos and death everywhere. Buildings were collapsing. Things were exploding everywhere. Hutton asked a security guard for help, but he was told to leave immediately. Things changed as the two traveled to Hamburg. Everything was normal again. The skies cleared. The buildings looked fine. There was no violence or blood. Nobody seemed to be in a panic. Hutton and Brant could not see anything wrong when they looked back towards the shipyard. So when they just looked back, the shipyard was fine. The buildings were not damaged. There was no smoke coming from them. And the pictures that Brant took during that assault that they witnessed showed that everything was normal. The pictures took normal pictures not what he was seeing the mm-hmm. shipyard was as good as brand new they were dismissed by their clo- colleagues who said that the claim was false and they thought that they had been drinking bernard hutton he moved from london to new york just as the second world war was beginning And on a day in 1943, Hutton opened the newspaper. What he saw shocked him. The story was about the raid of a Roy Air Force squadron against the shipyard in Hamburg. It was exactly as he remembered it. Okay, so did he see the future or did he time travel? Did he astral project into the future? Did he go into another dimension and then somehow it created that to happen in our world? The next one was called The Man Who Met Himself, and it comes with a video. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Is it the one with the tattoo? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. So, and I'll post the video. Hakan Nordkvist, 36, returned home on the 30th of August in 2006 to discover his kitchen filled with water. He thought there must have been a leak. He crawled underneath his kitchen sink to find and fix the leak. When he crawled into the cabinet, he found he was able to continue crawling further back. He continued to crawl forward until he finally came to an end. Nordkvist had crawled straight through to another time. He had crawled himself straight into the year 2042. Nordkvist even met his 2042 self, who was 72 years old, which in the photo that you see on the video looks pretty good for 72. <laughs> the future Nordkvist was not surprised when he met this man. He even revealed things to him that only he would have known. Both had the exact same tattoo. The future man's tattoo is a bit more faded. The two even took a photo, a photograph together. Then I'll post the video on our Facebook page, Witchin and Winin, and on to the last story, the man from Torrid. One July afternoon, a man arrived at Haneda Airport, also known as the Tokyo International Airport. This man was described as Caucasian with a beard. He was said to be French, but fluent in many other languages, including Japanese. The man handed over his passport to be stamped, but the immigration officers noticed that the country where the man originated was not a real country. It didn't exist. The man claimed to be from a place called Torrid, T-A-U-R-E-D, and he tried to persuade the officers of his, its existence. He said it was located between France and Spain. The man was confused because, according to him, his country had existed for over a thousand years. When shown a map, the man pointed out where Torrid was located. The area pointed to was known to the authorities as Principality of Andorra. The immigration officers eventually arrested him on suspicious of criminality, and he was moved he was moved to a hotel to be interrogated. Outside of his hotel room, there were two guards that stood, and the following day, when the guards looked in the room to check on the man, he was gone and no sign of the man was left behind. It was as if he had never been there. See, that one, that's the one where I'm like, oh, you know, maybe, because, like, you know mm -hmm. that they probably had him under tight security, you know? Right, but how would he travel back without having access to a doodad or a thingamabob or a thingamajigit? Maybe... It's not like maybe that time travel wasn't exactly like it. Maybe he was astral projecting, you know, through his body. I don't know. Or I don't know. They set a timer and you're only there for so long and then it just sucks you back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That too. Interesting. Or maybe he had a little device in his luggage. I don't know. I like that idea though. But. Or maybe it was like implanted in his body. Oh, you just blew my mind. <laughs> did I? <laughs> <laughs> you did. Holy crap. We've gone from the big giant Tesla transportation device to an implanted thing. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. That's... You never know. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Miranda, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> but that is my very lengthy segment. Now to mine. I don't have nearly as many as um, Crystal does. Oh, are you still there? Yeah. 
And I'm sorry. Okay. I, I was thinking, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do on this. I have no idea what to talk about. And you go online and it's never ending. Yeah. Yeah. This is oh, one of those fuck? things. There's what? what happened? So, you know, I, I record in the closet, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> on one end, it opens to the attic. Well, the attic door, I don't know if the microphone picked it up or not. Um, The attic door had a big bang on it. Like somebody had slammed up against it from the other side. <laughs> James up there? <laughs> no, no. I mean, we know your your playroom is haunted, so. But why would it be in the attic? Mm. Okay, I'm so sorry. We're not even talking about ghosts so, right now. Whatever you are, go away. You are not allowed. <sighs> okay. Um, all right, so I want to start off with the Philadelphia experiment that Crystal mentioned earlier. So I found this information, I think, on like a naval history website. Um. Yeah, so uh, www.history.navy.mil and then slash a bunch of things. Oh, fuck. Dot um, mil? You can trust that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this Philadelphia experiment, this was um, an alleged military experiment that was said to have taken place, of course, in Philadelphia in 1943. Um, according to this legend, the U.S. Navy, they were trying to um, experiment and make the USS Eldridge, which was a destroyer escort. They were trying to make it invisible to radar and even the naked eye. How they were trying to do that, I don't know. Like, how Whoa. would they make something invisible to radar and the naked eye? Who, who knows? Were they putting shimmer dust, like mirrors? I have no clue. Anyway, um, <laughs> the experiment <laughs> was reportedly conducting using um, equipment that was based on the theories of Albert Einstein <gasps> and who was working for the U.S. government at the time. So it was said that the experiment went horribly, horribly wrong and that the ship just disappeared completely Whoa. for a brief period of time. So instead of it like just disappearing from radars or disappearing from their naked eye, it just went poof. Goodbye. What? So, yeah. So some versions of the story claim that uh, the ship was teleported to another location or even another uh, time period. Some of the crew members suffered strange side effects, like becoming invisible or even passing out. (laughs) This is like in an actual history section on a military website? Yeah. I mean, I will have to say, like... Despite the popularity of this story, there's no, like, real credible evidence to support. But there's never any credible evidence to support anything conspiracy-related, if you ask me. Like, no, the government must have, like, put that up. But a military site, that's that's yeah. the military. They're posting yeah. that, like, sharing that information. That's well, crazy. They're also saying that the U.S. Navy, they denied any involvement in this experiment, and, like, there was no official oh. record of the USS Eldridge ever being in Philadelphia during that time in question. So, you know... You can't trust their records. Yeah. It's like, it's a hoax, urban legend, but, you know, that it's just, like, one of those things where, like, I can't, I really can't just trust, like, oh, there's no evidences. Especially because, like, for how many years was the government saying, oh, there's no UFOs, you guys are crazy, la la la. Yes! They released freaking documents that support, like, po- like people within the government having their own sightings. I mean, come on. Yes, and some major, major players in the government straight up went on air and said they are a threat. I just heard something. It's an alien. No, I just heard, like, a, like a, woo-hoo. 
It's an owl alien. <laughs> and there's like this giant truck coming up slowly down the road. Ugh, okay. It's an old truck that's going to disappear. You're fine. Uh, that is creepy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next one is um, I'm sure you've heard or seen this picture. The Swiss rewatch found in a tomb from the Ming dynasty. So this little artifact is super mysterious and it definitely sparked interest and speculation among historians and archaeologists. So this artifact was discovered in. Uh, 2008, when the Chinese when when Chinese archaeologists were excavating a Ming Dynasty tomb, the tomb was believed to belong to a high-ranking official of the Ming Dynasty, and it contained a number a number of other precious items like gold and silver, porcelain, jade, everything you'd see in like a a high and mighty type of dude, you know. So, what is that dog barking at? The neighbors. Oh, so you can hear it. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Darn you, neighbors. I can start over. That's little. That's Sapphire. She's barking. She's not gonna stop. You might as well keep going. You can do. You got it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, the most unusual thing that was found in this tomb was a really tiny, small, intricately crafted ring watch. The watch is made of gold all gold and it features like a, an ornate design that looked strikingly like a tiny watch face set in the middle of a flower so what makes this watch particularly intriguing is that it appears to be of swiss origin and it contains markings that suggest it was made in the 17th century by the switch the swiss watchmaker isaac habdrick Sorry if I said that wrong. Kind of like a Swiss army knife, but a Swiss army wing watch. So obviously this discovery led to a ton of theories about the watch and how it ended up in the Ming Dynasty tomb. Some suggest that it was brought to China by European Jesuit missionaries who had a presence in China during the Ming Dynasty. Others have suggested that the watch was part of a secret trade network between Europe and China that existed during the Ming Dynasty. Or that it may have been a gift from a European dignitary to the Ming Dynasty official. But despite the various theories, the exact origin of this Swiss ring watch found in the Ming Dynasty tomb remains a mystery. Um, and the artifact continues to intrigue historians and watch enthusiasts alike. Um yeah, this so it's like it's from the future. Yeah, essentially, because it's like, why in the world would the Ming Dynasty carve this little ring? And it looks like a watch face, like legit, it does. And like I said, I'll send you the picture. Also, this reminds me of another, like, um, you know, historical art that I was looking at. And this, it was a carved into the side of like a temple, and it looked like an astronaut. It looked like a legit astronaut suit. With like the helmet, the round helmet, and like little buttons and doodads on the That's suit. Super interesting. Yeah. Um. I wonder if the ring watch thing. Of course, I can't see the picture, so I don't know if it even looks like this. But it kind of makes me think it. They made a watch that you could hold up and use as a sundial to go. You know, the sun. Okay. Like a sundial to figure out what time of day it is, but like it's to go. Hmm. 
Possibly. If I go back in time, I'm going to invent that shit because, and if any of y'all take that idea and I go back in time and someone else thought of it, I'm going to know <laughs> that one of you out there took my idea. So. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I'm going to just send it to you on Facebook Messenger. So it doesn't exactly look like a dial watch, oh. like, because it has, it even has like fake little arms like clock arms send it to me through text message later so the facebook doesn't degrade the quality of it but holy crap so what it is it doesn't it's not a watch really at all it's a ring that looks exactly like a watch it even has the little hands a short hand and a long hand which would kind of take away the purpose of my sundial theory (laughs) but (laughs) yeah i thought that was fascinating that is fascinating do you remember ring watches were super Mm -hmm. popular at one point i think it was in the 90s i'm a little older than you so (laughs) (laughs) but they were really popular and they were chunky and um but it's like from the future oh my gosh maybe one of the spice girls went back in time (laughs) if you want to be a man you gotta get in my time (laughs) okay sorry Sorry, go ahead okay um so i want to take it to something more broad so we're thinking about the idea of time travel and if it exists and you know how we can see things that um happened back in time or how can somebody who is say born this year be able to experience you know a year a hundred years into the future without aging um and this is actually a concept that was in the recent Buzz Lightyear movie. I don't know if you saw it. I haven't. I really <laughs> um, want to, though. Okay. So this is what they call the unknown traveler. And the unknown traveler is just like a hypothetic, hypothetical person that may have traveled into the future by traveling at or near the speed of light. Hmm. Okay. So according to the theory of relativity... Time dilation occurs when an object travels at high speeds, which means that time appears to slow down for the travel for the traveler um, relative to those who are stationary. So, therefore, if someone were to travel at near speed of light, they could potentially experience time at a slower rate than those on Earth, and thus end up in the future when they returned. Hmm. However. The laws of physics don't allow for traveling back in time, which means that if someone did travel into the future, they wouldn't be able to send a me- they would not be able to send a message or signals back to their present. Um, so it's like in the Buzz Lightyear movie, he's trying to get the, um, his people off of this planet and he keeps on trying to like blast off into space and make it like a little loop and come back down. But it ends up failing. And every time he comes back down, it's past like 10 years and he's still looking oh. young. But in his and from his point of view, it's only been a couple of weeks because he keeps on going, blasting back off into the space to perform the loop to come back down. And then it's like another 10 years or five years oh, or whatever. And then, bus. yeah. And then, you know, a couple of days later, he'll blast off again, trying it again. And then just like all the people he knows are getting older and older. So that mu- movie, that part of the movie is based off of this, you know, 
this idea of the unknown traveler. Mm. Also, when you think about it, whenever we look into the sky, we are literally looking into the past because all those what? stars that we see, those that light is like thousands, millions of years old, you know, like because it takes so long for light to travel, you know. So, for example, if there was a planet with intelligent life and they're like, let's look at all these planets we can see with a really high tech um, telescope and they were to look at Earth, they would see dinosaurs because they're seeing what? Yeah, because light travels really, you know, slow comparatively. But yeah, they would look at Earth and see dinosaurs. They wouldn't even see us if somebody of a planet, because obviously it'd have to be so far away because we, using our technology, have discovered all the nearby planets and like, oh yeah, I don't think there's any life on there, da 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 yeah. So if it was another planet that's much farther than we know, looking back, they'd see dinosaurs. Well, you um, did blow my freaking mind for a second time. A second time, that's what I'm here bravo. for. Bravo, Miranda, bravo. The witch <laughs> is back, people. The witch is back. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um... Okay, so I'm going to move on to personal a personal account. And there's actually a two somebody's two personals sharing an experience. So this incident was with um, a woman named Charlotte Ann Moberly and Eleanor Jordan, which I'm um, also known as the Ghost of Versailles, or the I know we're not doing ghosts, but just bear with me. Um, or the Moberly Jordan incident. This is a famous case of a possible time slip or time travel experiment or experience. So in August 1901, so this is a while ago, okay? Obviously, 1901. Um, Moberly and Jordan were visiting the Palace of Versailles in France when they claimed to have suddenly been transported back in time to the 18th century. So pretty much they were taking a tour of Versailles, the Palace of Versailles, and they're like, I'm getting bored. Let's go check out the gardens or let's go to this place. Like, oh, these gates are locked. Those gates are locked. So let's just find a way out of here. They went down an alley. And as if they were going down the alley, you know, they started noticing weird things. But let me continue. I digress. Um, so during <laughs> this um, alley walk, they reported seeing people dressed in period clothing, and they were witnessing events that were not happening in the present day, such as the gardens being overgrown, or a woman shaking a white cloth out of a window, or, you know, a couple of people, like, sweeping the street, you know, just, just like mundane activities that you don't see typically, especially, you know, 1901. So the women were then convinced that they had somehow traveled back in time and it was only when they returned to the present day and then they researched the history of the palace that they discovered that the events they had witnessed corresponded to the time of Marie Antoinette and the French Revolution. Okay, so this incident, this gained widespread attention, and it sparked a debate about the possibility of time travel or, and even the nature of reality in 1901, like so long ago. They wrote about it, right? Yeah. Um, some experts have obviously dismissed the incident, and they're like, oh, you guys are just hallucinating. <laughs> what did you find in the gardens? Um, <laughs> while others believe that um, it may be evidence of a time slip. So um, obviously, despite the ongoing 
ongoing interest in the case, no definitive explanation for the incident has ever been found, but it's definitely one of the most intriguing and mysterious cases of alleged time travel or, like, a time slip experience. Um, so, oh, was that noise? I heard that. Hold on. I think it's something in there. I think it's an airplane. Okay. So, yeah, do you hear it? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds super close. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they both did their own research, and um, they were like, hmm, let's see. Let's just see what happened at the Palace of Versailles the same day but in a different year. So they went to the Palace of Versailles on August 10th, right? Mm -hmm. So they were like, okay, let's research what happened on August 10th in 1792 in Paris, where the um, uh, Tuileries Palace was, I hope I'm saying that right, and the Tuileries Palace was surrounded and the King's Guard was killed, leading to the downfall of, you know, the monarchy. Um, So they were like, okay, let's really think about what we saw. And whenever they were thinking about what they saw in the alley, they saw a man, like, sitting at a, at a kiosk. And they're like, okay, I don't know. He seems, like, important. Like, they were kind of drawn to it. And later on, when they were doing their research, they believed they identified the man sitting there as a Comte de Vaudreuil. <laughs> Vaudreuil. V-A-U-D-R-E-U-I-L. So this comp is a close friend of Marie Antoinette. Um, So after their experience and after doing all their research and they kind of, you know, as they were doing the little exploration of like the time slip and seeing this gentleman sitting down, looking at historical photos, like, oh my God, that looks like it was a comp. Like you remember? I remember it too. Oh my God. You know? Um, they tried to retrace their steps, so maybe they can do it again, but they, they couldn't even find the same landmarks that they saw during their, you know, quote unquote dreamlike walk, as some people would say. So then it couldn't have just been people in period clothing reenacting something because the entire landmarks are gone. Yeah. And then if it was somebody reenacting, like, why would they say, oh, you guys are crazy. It was just a reenactment. (laughs) We're practicing or whatever, you know, like they would have, you know, Um, they were like, okay, maybe it's a time slip. But for them at the time, they're like, you know, I think that these grounds are haunted. <laughs> so maybe they were like, let's, they, maybe they saw um, like a time, what were you, what did you call it earlier? A time circle or uh, a loop, a time loop? Like a loop? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they wrote a book about their experience and they published it under the pseudonyms of Elizabeth Morrison and Francis Lamont. So it would be interesting to read their accounts firsthand, which I'm going not, I'm not going to lie. I did not read the book. <laughs> the next little tidbit I want to share isn't exactly, you know, time travel related. Maybe it is. Maybe it's immortal related. I don't know. But I am sure you have definitely heard that there are some celebrities that are either time travelers or are immortal because there are like historical photos that look so similar to present day celebrities. So it's like, hmm, are you a time traveler? Are you just immortal? I don't know. You know, so like I'm sure you've seen the photo of like Nicolas Cage who who, who looks like age? um this is a Confederate. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't age. 
but the the picture was of a um, Confederate prisoner of war. And people, a lot of people are like, he's an immortal vampire. <laughs> Obviously. Um, yeah. There's even like John Travolta too, you know, there's oh, a no, picture he's of a, Yeah. Yeah, he has aged, but like a historical picture. But I'm just like, okay, did he age or is it all part of a, a ruse, you know, mm. like all these celebrities who are immortal or are time travelers, they have to pretend, you know, that they get old so they can re- they, resurface again, right? They are good with costume makeup. Yeah. And then Keanu Reeves, who also doesn't age, you know. Nope. I love him. <laughs> um, Serena Williams says it's been said that she resembles like the rights activist Betty Shabazz. Um, mm-hmm. There's even a Jack Black painting. Of, no like, way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's and then there's a couple other two that are not convincing. Like there's a Brad Pitt one. And I'm like, yeah, no, those are clearly different people. But one of them that I'm like, hmm, this looks really similar is like Jay-Z. Like he has a a historical doppelganger. And then Daniel Radcliffe has a historical doppelganger (sighs) of a a woman. woman. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That one. That one's really good. Mm-hmm. Another one that I was like, hmm, this does look eerily similar was like Mark Zuckerberg um, looking like the former king of Spain and Portugal. You know, obviously these are paintings, you know, so it's like you never really know what these people actually looked like because of paintings. But the yeah. ones that have mm-hmm. um, photographs are more like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I and I just thought that was an interesting like thing to to address. It's like, is it time travel? Is it immortals? Is it vampires? Is it the is Illuminati? It the above. I mean, these are all topics we could cover, you know, in future episodes. Because I think I do want to get into one about like supernatural, like vampires, like evidence of vampires. Absolutely. Or, yeah. And our um resident friend <laughs> crystal not me uh, the other crystal our biggest fan mm-hmm. she has specifically requested that we we talk about vampires Ooh, okay you got it crystal other crystal <laughs> <laughs> Upstairs, i like vampires crystal. yeah <laughs> i like the idea of vampires too and sometimes i'm like yes oh, i need to find a way to live forever <laughs> I don't know. I need to find a way to live until I don't want to live. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because like forever just, is a little too long. We just float through space together like otters and hold hands. Aww. That's so <laughs> cute. Um, but yeah, you had way more than I did. <laughs> it is cute. <laughs> um, I, I started. I honestly started thinking about other things, and I was going to go off on a tangent again about space and stuff. And I'm like, okay, let's bring that back. Do it. <laughs> no, it no. Forward. What's your tangent about space and floating? Like, so if you were if you were immortal, like to the point uh-huh. where, because you know how there are some immortals where, like, oh, you can live forever, but you can die if, like, you get into an accident, sort of thing, or mm-hmm. like someone chops your head off or whatever, you know? But then there's also that <laughs> yeah. concept of immor- immortality where, like, you just 
you can't die regardless of like whatever. So it's like, oh, you just hang out until the end of the war, the world, right? And yes. then you're living in agony, floating around through space and healing from your wounds and hoping that you're oh. attached to your, your other person who you chose to live with forever until you reach the gravity of another planet and crash land. But then what if that planet is like, say, Jupiter, and then you're just... See, this is like a weird spiral train tangent thing no. that I was like... I love off. it. I love um, it. Keep going. Yeah, so it's just like, oh, you'll just be sitting in the core of Jupiter until that decides to explode and you go off into another direction and maybe one day you'll end up on a planet with life again. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Hope. Have hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I, I like what you like live forever until you're like, meh, I'm good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm done. Push a button. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On to or the next just thing. The idea of, you know, how people are like, oh, we're in a simulation. And sometimes I'm like, and like, it really panic, like scares people, right? Like thinking we're in a simulation. But I'm like, one, if we were in a simulation, we have obviously proven that AI could have feelings and have intelligences and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you know? And then in which case, just change my which program a, a little bit. Yeah. Like, just change my programming a little bit. Make me a little bit richer, you know, a little <laughs> bit thinner. I'd like to Hit be, like, a nice 160 instead of 200. button. Isn't it Rosebud? I don't know. The, the, the code that you put in for more money. Oh, mother load for Sims. What's yeah. the rosebud one? I don't know. I've only ever used the money cheat code for Sims. Though for I'm Sims, I do make my Sims have a big old badonk donk and some boobies. <laughs> what? You can do that? <laughs> yeah, you can stretch those suckers out. No. Yeah. I've never heard well, that. Well, you're not an avid Sim player, are you? I was rosebud <laughs> or caching well, would earn you a thousand simoleons. Supposedly, mother or mother load earns you fifty thousand. Did yeah? Did you ever play Sims Four? Um, I did. I had it did on a, on my computer. Yeah, Sims Four definitely has the um the adjusting of the body. But anyway, <laughs> no. What? No way. What are those yes, codes I... so people out there know? People well, out there want to know. This isn't a code. It's just in your whenever you're creating your sim, you get to adjust oh. every aspect of their body. Oh. Okay. I got you. <laughs> I don't remember that. It's been a while, but yeah. <laughs> but anyways, the the idea of being in a simulation I feel like it's not scary. It's almost comforting. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's comforting, too. It just turn off my aging and let me live in my best life with my, my best family, you know? <laughs> let me live forever in my program. Yeah. It's like, damn it, creator. <laughs> Add this code. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have, like, I don't know if you've seen on TikTok, but there are some people who claim that there are codes for certain things, like, you know, binary codes, and you have to, like, either repeat or write the number over and over, and it supposedly will help you manifest whatever, you know, I don't know. But there's a whole huh. part of TikTok that has that. So, so maybe paganism 
and like certain rituals are really just y'all have broken the codes <laughs> you know the codes maybe i mean obviously and and the people who are psychic <laughs> of any way have like a glitch in their programming that allows them to see other programming absolutely <laughs> that'd be interesting they're like the vanellope of our world i can see that i can see that <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so thank you for listening. Make sure to check out our Facebook page, Witchin and Winin, to see all of the photos and the videos that we've mentioned tonight or today, whatever it is for you. <laughs> um, also, don't forget to like, review, share. If you have any stories that you would like to share with us, make sure to email them to us because we would love, love to share your stories. And wouldn't it be awesome to be the very first person to share your story? Oh, that would be so cool. Please, please, please. That would please. be so cool. Our email is W-I-T-C-H-N-A-N-D-W-I-N-E-N at gmail.com. So have a good night. Try not to accidentally slip into you another time or dimension. And you can mm -hmm. catch us next time. And remember, though, if you do happen to experience a time slip, please, please take note of all the details because you know you're going to want to send it to us in our email that we just told you. But also, don't ask anybody the time. Don't ask anybody the date either, because apparently if you happen to be dreaming and it's not a time slip, your dream people will get mad. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> what? I save it for next time yeah mystery i'll leave you on story. that that thought of why you don't want to ask your dream people the time or the date yeah okay <laughs> all right good all night right. good night guys bye <laughs> bye You can run, but you can't hide.